0: weeks ago, I did like three days of dishes in a row. I think I emptied the dishwasher. I cleaned up the dirty ones from dinner. I put some in the dishwasher. And by about the third day, I noticed that Dory didn't say anything. And I sort of leaned over, said, Hun, did, uh, you know? did you notice I did the dishes? She said, yeah, yeah, that was great. Thank you. I appreciate that. Said something else. Don't you love it when a friend, a spouse, a supervisor sort of responds that way when you feel like you've sort of gone out of your way to do something? Yeah, thanks. Good. Yeah, that's, that's good. I appreciate that. And, and all you wanted was like a, like a hyperbolic affirmation, you're the best ever at that, you cleaned them the best, you know, that's what I wanted, right? Um, man, when expectations are clear, life is, life is good. And see, what I had done is, I, it wasn't her expectation that I had done that. I have, you know, we, we have a number of domestic chores that we share. And she was so grateful that I had, but that wasn't an expectation of hers. She was thankful, but she wasn't necessarily expecting me to do it. Do you get that? Maybe you've experienced that this week. You've, you've offered something and, and you've totally, uh, you know, you've, you've gone above and beyond and, and what you get back is sort of uh, sort a of nice flat. Thanks. You see, Jesus, in his nearing the end of his life, he has something very important that he wants to share with his disciples and with you and I. He wants the expectation of their lives to be so clear that they don't do dishes when he didn't ask them to, that they don't you know, make extra copies when that wasn't the goal. He's anticipating his, his closest friends of being afraid and being frenzied. He reminds them of the, of the comfort of the Holy Spirit in this section of Scripture, and as we're going to look, he, he shows a way out, a way forward through a frenzied life. Let's look at what he says in in John chapter 15 in this familiar passage. We'll read the first eight verses. And as we read it, I I just want to float this question to you that hopefully we'll both be arriving at something similar by, by this morning's end. And that is according to Jesus, what is your job description? What's he want you to do? What's he want you to be about? What are we supposed to be? So that's the question for us. What is your job description? Hear now what he says. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it may bear more fruit. Already you, have, you are clean because of the word I have spoken you. To you. Don't get tripped up there. That's um, G, uh, Judas. You remember how he portrayed Jesus? What he's saying is Judas is no longer in their midst, and he was unclean uh, for his faithless act. And therefore, he's, it's a sort of a, a word of comfort as he is um, teaching them. Verse 4 Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you cannot do anything. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done. Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified, so that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. God in heaven, speak to us now, for your servants are listening. Amen. Amen. One of my favorite stoplights in Thomasville is over here. When I'm, coming, when I'm coming here to the church, it's right there at Washington and Dawson. You know which one I'm talking about? Maybe you don't travel this like I do every day. But you come up to the stoplight, and as soon as you get close, it turns yellow. The other one turns yellow. I'm through there in 10 seconds or less. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, it's like there's sensors. I need like a, a stoplight engineer to tell me how this works. But there's something. It, it recognizes that I'm getting close, and boom, I'm through it. Now, if you're coming back from IGA and you come up to the TC Federal, you can wait two and a half, three and a half, four and a half minutes. <laughs> the same technology does not exist at that light over there. You know what I do? I, you know, I, don't, I don't break the law. I know, Georgia, I can't do my phone, but I do. When I'm sitting there, I'm like, gosh, I could be doing something better with my time right now. Check out my phone, do some texting, some, some emails. I love the quick light I don't like this light that I have to wait at. You see, sometimes life with God, we, we, we think that his, his invitation to us, his, his command for our lives is that we encounter and, and move through life according to, to those lights. Those lights that change quickly, that allow us to get about our days and be what? Productive for him. But I want to argue this morning from this passage that our job description is found closer to the light that we have to sit at for those obnoxious few minutes. What is our job description? It's to sit still. Sit still. And I want us to see what happens. Two things that happens when we begin to sit still. The first is this. When we sit still for the first time or maybe for the hundredth time, we actually begin to catch the vision of God. We begin to catch the vision of God. If We look back at our text, we see see a lot of the same word. What was that word you kept hearing over and over? And and you're probably going to be tired of that word by the time you leave. Fruit. Verse 2, verse 5. Fruit, fruit, fruit. And then looking again at verse 8, that you bear much fruit. God's vision for you and the world is fruitfulness. The picture of Eden needs to come back according to God. Fruit is this. Fruit is the kingdom of God manifesting itself in your life personally, and through your life into the world? Simply that. And God is desperate for that to be true. He's desperate for it. So if that's our vision, fruitfulness, if that's the vision, whose is it? And this is how sitting still begins to reorient us. It's the fathers. Verse 1, my father is the vine dresser. The NIV translates it the gardener. I sort of like that image more. I guess because I've not really visited wine country, so I don't really, I can't picture a vine dresser, but I can picture a gardener. But it's the same word. The Father is the gardener. He's the one over the field, managing it. And His desire is to see tremendous fruit. Go deep and wide in our hearts and around the world. How does He do it? Did you catch it? He does what a good farmer does. He does what a good gardener does. He weeds. This this passage says he prunes and he cuts. If it if it if it's dead, he he casts it aside. He cuts. You see, he wants us to catch this vision. And this is, this is what's critical when we begin to sit still. All of a sudden we can start to see what he wants and like what he wants. I think about uh, that good movie, Remember the Titans, when Coach Boone takes him to Gettysburg and he delivers this powerful speech about unity. It's like, if we don't get united here, we will never get united on the field. And it's like one of those speeches where you're watching the movie and you've got you know, goosebumps coming over you. What does every good coach do? What does every good leader do? What is what is what are we called to do? T- to be inspired to you know that team knocked over tremendous obstacles in, in light of this wonderful inspiration that he gave to them. He cast a vision and they loved it and they went. I remember when uh, we were uh, candidating for 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 First Presbyterian Thomasville, it, and what got me jazzed was the way in which the position was articulated long before the responsibilities were given to me. I love the way that you talked about student and family ministry. God wants us to catch his vision. He wants us to get pumped for what he wants in the world. That's what he wants. Are you? Do you want those things? I, I, I think most of you probably do. Maybe you ask this question, well, how in the world do I know? How do, how do I know if, I, if I'm on his team, if I'm responding to this powerful speaker? Two ways. One, the gardener cuts and prunes. And for us to know, if, if, if we're really on board with what he's got going on, where have those pruning shears landed in your life? Perhaps it's a... It's a habit. It's just just killing you, and there's growing conviction over it. Could that be the Lord? Maybe somebody recently or um, perpetually has sort of brought something to your attention, and it hit so perfectly right on that you couldn't even look at the person in the eyes anymore. Maybe that's the Lord. Pruning. Cutting. Many of you have experienced even suffering. Again, when we begin to sense in our lives these, these, these shears that are intended for our growth begin to sort of nick and, and poke and prod in our lives, folks, I, I like to think that that is, that is part of the Lord's work. That is how we know that we are indeed wanting life, wanting this fruit that He has for us. You see, restless people, People that, like me, that get angry at this other stoplight, we, we sort of like, hey, cut over here, God, you know, no, you, can, you can take that one off, or I don't really like that branch. You sort of, you begin to dictate how he slices and tosses things away. People that sit still say, God, you, you work, you do what you need to do. And we don't, we, don't, we don't offer certain things up and hold certain things back because he's the vine dresser and he's faithful at doing it. So we sit still and we begin and hopefully continue to, to catch this vision, which is fruit in life, deep in our hearts and our minds as well as in our communities. That's the first implication. The second is this. When we sit still, we start to function properly. This passage is all about function and dysfunction. How do you function well? you got to know your role. And in verse 5, it says, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He lays it out crystal clear. Our job description, or excuse me, our title, our, our, our title of, of the position is branch." I don't know about you, but I've heard this passage a lot growing up. I've been in the church, and I've heard it taught and, uh, faithfully uh, in, a lot of, in a lot of different ways. But for some reason, my ears, I guess, have been conditioned. And so when I come to this passage, I see the word fruit all over the place. And so I think God's command in my life is to produce fruit. Branches, as we see in verse 5c, you can do nothing apart from the vine. Verse 4, a branch cannot bear fruit apart from the vine. Sitting still, catching the vision, owning our role, our title as being a branch. All of a sudden, we don't have to be the vine anymore. We don't have to be the ones manipulating the good things that might happen in and through us. Jesus is the vine, and we're the branches. I think six times in one's a command, and another five are sort of these conditional clauses about if you remain, if you abide. The life of a branch is, is something of, of, of doing something perpetually, which is over and over and over again, remembering who you are and living in light of it. Remembering who you are and living in light of it. You... you To to remain in him, if he wants you to get it, he keeps telling us this. He keeps telling his disciples as he's walking and he comes across, man, he's a good teacher, and he sees this vineyard. This is a fantastic illustration. Over and over, if you abide, if you abide, if you abide, I will produce the fruit through you. I love a good spicy chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A. I also like chicken fingers. So don't go hating on me because I don't like the nuggets as much. You ever wonder what makes Chick-fil-A so successful? And don't say because they're closed on Sunday, which I think is a good thing. I think that's a good thing. I support that. Truly, Kathy established two abiding values and principles. Recipe, uh, customer service. Those are it. Dan Kathy, who's, who's at the top now, he's not tweaked the recipe and he's not changed the philosophy toward the customers. He's not trying to reinvent the wheel. This seems counterintuitive. It seems like to be entrepreneur, you know, to, to grow in life is to be creative. And in some areas, that's, that is required of us. But, but being fundamentally a Christ follower is to not seek to do anything on our own. You might say that he's just reaping the benefits of a sustained philosophy. He was asked in an interview um, a series of questions, and I remember he responded and said, We're not in the chicken business, we're in the people business. You see, when we when we start to just just lay our whole selves on, we don't try to reinvent things. We just start, we just recognize who we are as branches. And God will just he'll just send that fruit right out. He'll order, he'll toss out those chicken sandwiches and those french fries like nobody's business. But our job is not to sort of figure out a new way to do it. You know, one of the pushbacks that you might be sensing that I myself encountered as I was looking at this passage was Man, this seems like a hyper grace message. Like where's the where's the faithfulness at? In our lives? Like, how are we supposed to actually show the world that we're obedient to, to his commands? And I'll use an illustration from scripture to try to paint the picture. Do y'all remember back in the Old Testament when, when God's people were um, rescued from Pharaoh and Moses is journeying with them and, and they get to? A body of the water called the Red Sea. And at that time, you could not traverse it. Like it was, you know, it was like you'd encounter the Gulf of Mexico or something. And, and by the way, there's like a plume cloud of like chariots and really strong fighting people headed toward you. You know, rocking a hard place. This, this was it, right? Do you remember what Moses said? In, in chapter 14 of Exodus, he said, the lord will fight for you you need only to stay still what it's a mystery but when we live like branches when we when we when we're sitting still and we're saying okay this is this is my this is my task i just i just stick here i just hang here i, I you know i commune with the lord this is what i'm called to do all of a sudden, we're so tethered. The one actually doing the thing, we're just sort of watching him do it. Watching him do it. And that's what he invites us into. You need only be still. For the Lord, if I could change it to match this, will bear the fruit. And here's the sweet freedom in it all. When we, if you've been conditioned like me, if you think the priority here is to just, you know, to be fruitful you know go do some things which isn't sorry my mind does things that my mouth doesn't always do you you get what i'm saying it's like it's here then it gets confused and then a lot of you recognize this about me It'll, things get sort of jumbled around but when we begin to live like that all of a sudden we're we're free because it's not our fruit to figure out to make sure that it's happening When a a child of ours is, you know, just they're struggling with life, with, 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 with major questions, when that's not happening, when we understand who we are, that there's a little bit of hope found there. Because then it's not all about you and I. And and we don't have to, you know, destroy ourselves because we failed. Think about this. What was the latest disappointment you experienced that you worked really hard to make sure that didn't happen? Christian, when, when we recognize that it's the vine's fruit, that we're just these conduits of what, what Calvin says, vital sap, then all of a sudden we're free. We're free. We don't have to manipulate things. When disappointment inevitably comes our way, when we fail ourselves, we're not doomed. We're not doomed. We're free. So the invitation this morning is to, to sit still. And I mean that sincerely. How about next time you are, you know, you're in the grocery line and someone's paying with a check and they need like fingerprints and the bank, you know, and you're just like me and you're just, oh my goodness. And you're, you're just trying to think of anything to buy your time, except for look at these horrible magazines that are flanked on either side of you with the Reese's right here. I mean, it's, it's a doomsday situation. Um. what if in that moment we just sat and like we focused the, the, what was going on like what's going on in my mind what's, what's going on right now why, am I, why is this happening to me why, why am I so amped to get out of this place let's sit still and watch the Lord work through us this is our job our job is to be branchly is to stick to the vine such that you can't distinguish him from you. This is who we are. And you know, you might ask, Well, it sounds good, but I wonder what distinguishes that from you know, the ten blogs I've read this year about how to make my life simple. Like does this just I'll just put that there and I'll pick two or three things and and get on my way. Well, folks, here's the sweetest news about this. The very beginning of this passage, Jesus says, I'm the true vine. Did you catch that? In the Old Testament, God referred, one of the images God used to refer to his people was they were his vineyard. And he had this tremendous call for his life. He had the same vision for us then as he does now, which is fruitfulness. But as we know, just like as our hearts do today, we confuse the the things of God with God. We, We want what he has to give, but not himself. And we get things all jumbled up. And when Jesus comes, he arrives and he takes up this image and says, where there has been lack, I am now filling up. That vineyard, that true vine, as you know, Received a lethal blow by the father. He was cast off as if he'd done nothing, as if he was a dead branch to be sent to the burn pile in the back of your yard. Can you believe that? That's called mercy. The most faithful branch, the true vine of Israel, the, the God's most faithful expression, living and walking on Earth was treated as if he were a heathen, pagan. That's mercy. And it doesn't end there. So, so when, we, when we fail to, uh, you know, to produce this fruit, when we, when we think it's all about us and we're, and we're, we're you know, white-knuckling it at the stoplights, there's mercy. But here's where it gets even better. By faith. Or in this passage, in fact, it says that Christ remains in us. Have you ever thought that's kind of weird? Like, uh, twice it says that as I remain in you. Guys, all the fruit, all the goodness, all the perfection that Christ has accomplished is ours by faith. So not only are we forgiven in Christian terms, but we're justified. Not only is the bank account you know, the debt uh, paid. But the, but, the, but the resources in the bank are, are overflowing. Folks, there's tremendous freedom when we begin to sit. When we, got, we start to really taste and see this wonderful vision for the world, for our hearts and for those around us. And then we recognize that, that we need only be still and be a branch. Cling to Christ Spend time with Him as He flows that vital sap through us, producing fruit. Recognizing that all the, the work that He accomplished when we receive Him by faith, that is indeed ours. We're not only forgiven, but you and I are looked upon. Hear me. God sees you as the true vine. He sees you that way. Because He sees His Son Right over you, right stuck to you. That's who you are. Let's sit still and watch the world change in our hearts and in the world. Let's pray together. God, I pray that uh, that we would see how tasty and fruitful the world that you have that you want for us. Sometimes I think you just want mediocre things for us. Forgive me. You want abundance, and and, and that is in every way. That That is what you're leading us into. Jesus, help us to see how faithful you were and that when we cling to that wonderful promise... That as you remain in us, you don't have to flex your muscles to keep us close to you. We're called to constantly look at you, but it is a once and for all thing that we are yours. God, we want it to be true. Help us to be still people, not anxious ones. We can only do that by faith as we trust you, as we lean into the fact that when you were tempted to be restless, you entered into solitude. Lord, your fruit is ours, a gift that we could not and will not ever earn. But help us to live in light of it. Help us to be the branches you've called us to be. For Christ's sake, amen.